I'm here with Dr. Jane Walsh from Psychology at NUI Galway to talk about health and well-being, and in particular about M-Health. Jane, would you like to begin by introducing yourself? Thanks, Angela. So my name is Jane Walsh, and I'm located in the School of Psychology, NUI Galway. And we recently established the M-Health Research Group, as this is a new and emerging area of interest in psychological research. What is M-Health? M-Health, or mobile health, is the practice of medicine and health supported by mobile devices. The kind of mobile devices we typically see used include our mobile phones, which almost everyone has, tablets, laptops, but also it includes the use of things like wearable devices, Fitbits, Jawbones, the new Apple Watch would be another example. This type of mobile device and this mobile health devices allows for increased access to the healthcare and health information by people, which is one of the reasons it's taken off, it's so popular. In theory, it improves our ability to diagnose and track diseases if used correctly and allows us expanded access to ongoing medical education and training. So Jane, could you expand a little bit more on how M-Health technologies are used? Well, the possibilities are endless. M-Health technologies can be used in a variety of ways. For example, the most basic ways for education and awareness, looking up data, looking up information about medical diseases and so on. More recently, technologies have been developed to look at diagnostic and treatment support. So using technology perhaps to indicate rises in body temperature, increases in blood pressure, they could perhaps signal if there is a problem or if someone's health is deteriorating. They can also be used for connected health to enhance communication between doctor and patient. And they can evolve down the line to improve the disease management for those with chronic illness. And one of the ways they're being used currently in M-Health research is for behaviour change interventions to enhance lifestyle behaviours and to get people to engage in more healthy behaviours. And this is a fairly new area of research within this domain. So this mobile technology has been adopted to the Irish health system? Well, the HSE and the government have realised the fantastic potential of these devices. And in 2013, they published the eHealth strategy, outlining their plan down the line to embrace these new technologies. In this plan, they have set out a number of goals. One of the things they plan to do is set up a unique health identifier for patients to more easily track them using the new technologies. Longer term, they would like, by using technologies, to reduce acute hospital service demands by supporting a more cost-efficient delivery of services, by improving health outcomes and reducing health costs per capita. And indeed, there's enormous potential to do so if these technologies are adopted down the line. So how effective is M-Health in terms of cost efficiency? Well, the EU published a green paper recently on looking at the healthcare saving potential of new mobile technologies. And they estimated by 2017, more than 1.5 billion people will be using apps and mobile devices for health-related activity. They estimate that these devices, if used correctly, could save in the region of 99 billion euro to the health service delivery. That is a huge amount of money. This has made the Irish and other governments sit up and think there's a fantastic opportunity here. So what is the best way to go forward and embrace these technologies? 
Are there any barriers to the implementation of mHealth globally? And if so, what would those barriers be? Well, this is a very good question. Again, the World Health Organization looked at this. They had a publication in 2011 on mHealth. And one of the things they discovered was that there's little published evidence of the effectiveness of these potential interventions. They also, as part of this publication, examined the global barriers to the adoption, the widespread adoption of these technologies. And the top barriers they found was number one were the priorities. So to date, the implementation of technological solutions hasn't been top priority. But this is something that will change as more knowledge and evidence emerges. But interestingly enough, other barriers that emerged included legal barriers. And one of the reasons for this would be concerns around the security of patient data and safety of patient data. This would be a concern not only for healthcare providers, but for patients themselves. And whether or not these solutions are effective is another barrier. And so these are things that need to be addressed going forward if mobile technologies are to be adopted universally as part of the healthcare system. So Jane, you mentioned evidence-based scientific strategies. Can you explain what you mean by this? What sort of strategies work? Well, if you're developing any type of technology or tool to help patients or to improve patient outcomes, there needs to be a good evidence base behind this. As mobile technologies are developing at a rapid rate, the evidence is currently lagging behind. To set up clear um, devices and strategies that can be trusted, are effective and safe, there needs to be multidisciplinary research conducted. This is part of the goal of our research group. That type of research needs to be conducted by a multidisciplinary team, including technologists, those that are developing technologies, the medics who are identifying what the key problems are, and behavioural scientists who are able to look at strategies for bringing about behaviour change effectively to enhance patient outcomes. As a behavioural scientist, there is a huge literature on effective behaviour change strategies. One of these strategies would include, for example, the behaviour change taxonomy that was recently developed by Michi et al. This includes a whole load of scientifically tested strategies to bring about behaviour change, for example, to get people to increase their exercise, to improve medication adherence. What kind of strategies would typically be used? Well, we would look at things like goal setting, self-monitoring so people can look at how they're doing and track their changes and progress, monitoring by others, feedback systems so people are told this is how you're getting on, this is what you need to do to improve further and of course using reward strategies. So when you think about how the mobile devices can be used, if somebody achieves a target step count of 10,000 steps a day for example and they can track this on a mobile device, perhaps at the end of the day they get a badge or a thumbs up which is an effective strategy for getting people to maintain this behaviour. So we call that a reward system. So there's evidence in behind all of this science. And the key really is to look at how these behavioural strategies, which have an evidence base, can be integrated into new technologies to bring about effective behaviour change strategies and devices. Can you give me examples of how behavioural science is used when developing apps? Well, we actually did a recent study looking at existing apps on the market. We targeted apps that were designed to increase medication adherence. We analysed these apps and we looked at how many of them had used these behaviour change strategies. 
and we found very little evidence in behind these apps. In other words, many of the existing apps available freely on the market are developed without any consideration to proper behavioural science. So this is a problem because this suggests that these apps don't work. There's no reason to suggest that they would work. There's no science in behind them. So the idea is that in the future, apps will be developed with behavioural scientists on board, saying, for example, if you include a reward strategy or a feedback strategy in this way with your app, this is likely to increase the efficacy of this app in bringing about the desired behaviour. So how do you decide which apps work? Is it the most popular ones? Well, that's a very good question, because if you go on to the Play Store and look at Google Apps or the App Store, you'll find the top rated apps there. As a consumer, your natural instinct would be to say, I'm going to buy that one. It must be the best. But we've discovered that one of the things that drives the apps to the top of the pile is a large marketing campaign, often with a large budget driven by large companies. And so there's no evidence whatsoever that the most popular apps are the most effective. In fact, from initial research, it suggests quite the opposite. Of course, consumers would not be aware of this. This is a source of concern for healthcare providers if consumers are deciding to replace existing healthcare sources with new apps, for example, for medication adherence and so on. And so this highlights the importance of producing and perhaps prescribing evidence-based apps for patients down the line. So what do you believe is the solution to develop safe apps? Well, as a researcher, I'm going to say research. I think it's very important if we were developing a pill, for example, that would be tested, there would be trials conducted and the results would be published widely and this would be done repeatedly. Why not for other sources of intervention. So in the development of mobile technologies, there should be a multidisciplinary team involved in the development of them so that the best science available is integrated into the development of these. Then they are piloted, tested and eventually when we're happy that they work, they're safe and effective and trustworthy, that they can be properly integrated into healthcare delivery systems. And Jane, what are the top three rated health and wellbeing apps? When you look at the app store for the most popular apps, you find there's a theme there. So MyFitnessPal would be very highly rated. This is a very widely used app. This app is designed primarily to get people to increase their exercise. Another very popular app is the Couch to 5K app. And another very popular app is the 7-Minute Workout. Who wouldn't want a 7-Minute Workout? But really, can you bring about health and fitness with a seven-minute workout? Well, we're not sure. We don't know because these aren't piloted and tested. But these are very popular apps. In many ways, it's unlikely that these apps are doing any harm. But it is quite likely that they could be better designed to bring about more effective results if they integrate behavioral science and are developed with this multidisciplinary view in mind. Could doctors or healthcare providers recommend these apps? Well, they don't know, because if you go to look for the evidence as to whether they work, it doesn't exist. So this is something that needs to be addressed down the line for these type of solutions to be recommended more widely by healthcare providers and used and adopted more frequently by patients and the public. So is it true to say that an app could be customised to a patient's or consumer's needs? 
Absolutely. If you speak to any engineers or technologists, they will tell you they can design the app any way you want. The problem is that a lot of the current designs and developments have been driven by large companies for profit or by creative technologists who aren't necessarily thinking about behavioural science. They're trying out the development of new technologies. But as we move forward, the vision should be to develop solutions that are evidence-based, that integrate our knowledge about behaviour change strategies. Technologists find it very easy to customise according to patients' needs whatever the desire is for the development of the app. And this should be based on proper behaviour change strategies in the future. How do we get individual patients to engage with mHealth? This is a very good question. One of the things that's happened is the explosion of mobile technologies. When you look at the figures in Ireland, there's 1.5 phones per person. So most people have a mobile device. The future will be to get them to use these devices in a more efficient way to enhance health. For this to work successfully, it would work if certain apps or the use of mobile devices are recommended by healthcare providers or indeed prescribed by doctors in medical settings, that both doctors and patients can trust the devices they're using, can trust that their data is safe, can trust that these interventions will indeed help them to achieve their health goals. And how can this engagement be fostered? This can be fostered in two ways, by taking a bottom-up and top-down approach. From a bottom-up approach, I think is already in train. The public have embraced new technologies, they're using them, they like them. But to use them in a more systematic way will require more of a top-down approach. The HSE and the government have already embraced the use of new technologies and strides are being made to embrace them in a more systematic way and utilise them in the healthcare system. But a key piece of the jigsaw puzzle are the people at the coalface of healthcare delivery. They're the nurses, the doctors, the public health doctors, health administrators, and I think going forward for them to use these and recommend them to patients, they will probably need some policy in place, some training perhaps, so they can use them themselves. They need to see the evidence themselves, just as they would if they were going to prescribe a new pill, so that they can use these on a daily basis, that they can have a toolbox of mHealth solutions that they can recommend to patients, whether it's to increase their exercise adherence, to improve their diet, to improve their medication adherence, and all of the common health behaviours that GPs and other healthcare professionals are trying to use going forward. You mentioned the importance of multidisciplinary research. Can you give me a flavour of some of the research projects the mHealth Research Group are involved in at the moment? We're involved in a variety of very interesting projects at the moment. For example, we have a project that started this year, funded by the Irish Research Council, looking at whether or not mHealth interventions can enhance medication adherence and increase walking in an at-risk population. So we're looking at people who are suffering with diabetes, We have a student, Emer Marcy, who's working on that project, looking at the development of effective technologies to improve these behaviours. So this is a very interesting piece of research. I'm also involved in another piece of research with Dr. Liam Glynn, who I mentioned in general practice, looking at patients' views and experiences of technology-based self-management tools for the treatment of hypertension. This is a qualitative study looking at whether or not patients would realistically adopt these technologies and what are their fears and concerns around the 
potential use of them. So this is very important information going forward if we're going to develop and use these tools. We also have another funded study starting in September 2015, looking at the use of apps to improve breast awareness behaviours in preventing breast cancer in at-risk population in women. So this is quite a new area of research also, looking at getting people to engage in preventative health behaviour to prevent breast cancer. Finally, we also conducted a piece of research recently looking at an mHealth intervention to increase fruit and veg intake in a student population. So it's to increase the five a day and whether or not an app could support students in making healthy decisions. And we did find some quite positive results from this. A lot of this research we've conducted is going to be presented in September at the European Health Psychology Conference in a symposium on mHealth convened by us in NUI Galway. You can find out all about this research and more on our mHealth website located within the School of Psychology in NUI Galway. And earlier you mentioned the vision for mHealth, Jane. In terms of your own research and your own findings, what do you believe is the vision for mHealth? Well, our vision would be very much in line with what the government is trying to achieve, which is the development and efficient integration of evidence-based, safe, mobile technology solutions for patients within the healthcare system. This can be achieved down the line through high-quality multidisciplinary research. This would involve a research team that includes doctors, behavioural scientists, technologists and indeed patient groups themselves all working together to develop solutions that we know work. Once these have been developed and the scientific evidence supports them, they can then be effectively and safely implemented into our healthcare system with confidence. You recently ran the first mHealth conference in Ireland, Jane. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes, this mobile health technology conference was, was the first of its kind in Ireland. And it was designed to showcase some of the cutting edge international research in the area of mHealth. It was a fantastic opportunity to bring together experts from a variety of different disciplines. For example, we had Dr. Liam Glynn from General Practice, a medic who uses mHealth technologies in his practice to talk about research he'd done in the area. We had Professor Chris Nugent, who's a biomedical engineer working in developing cutting edge technologies to improve patient outcomes. We had also Professor Jeremy Wyatt, who is the leader of the eHealth Research Institute at Leeds. And Professor Sherry Pagoto, who founded the mHealth and Social Media Group at the University of Massachusetts. So it was quite a varied lineup. It really underpins the very multidisciplinary nature of this research. It was a fantastic opportunity to showcase some of the top research that's going on in this area. We were very fortunate in that this event was funded by a grant from the Irish Research Council and also by the Whitaker Institute here in NUI Galway, which enabled us to bring these speakers from abroad. What was the key message as part of that conference? The key message that came from all of the keynotes was the critical importance of developing multidisciplinary teams to conduct high-level research in this area. Each of these experts acknowledged the important contribution of people from different disciplines. In fact, it was suggested that the combination of a behavioural scientist a technologist and a medic was the A-team for conducting high-quality research in mobile technology. 
Well, thank you very much, Jane. You've given us a lot of food for thought there. There seems to be endless opportunities around mHealth and we really look forward to hearing more about your research in the future. Thank you, Angela. I look forward to that.